Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jam Room Podcast. I hope you've had a great week out there. It's a uh, fucking hot day here in Perth right now. Um, we talked about 40. Been in and out of the pool a few times. Uh, but I hope you've had a great week in whatever part of the world you're in. Hope you've had uh, some relationship with music along the way. Maybe you've listened to some. Maybe you've created some. Maybe you've learnt some. I hope it's been uh, fun for you out there. And uh, I almost wasn't going to do this podcast. I know it's late. I know I normally get these out a bit earlier to you guys, and I apologize for the delay. It's been a hectic fucking week for me. Um, it always is over December. Um, a bunch of shit going on. But uh, I almost wasn't going to even do this podcast today because I had the fucking hiccups. But then I decided, you know what? I'll have a shot of vinegar and see what the hell happens. And it worked. It's insane. I can't believe it. I've, I've had the hiccups for literally the last three hours and tried to record this podcast, but it was like sort of peppered with these weird little pauses with no explanation. And I thought, fuck it, I can't do this. Um, turned everything off and then was like, you know what? I'll try this out. I remember doing it as a kid and it worked. So I, I'm back. I'm back and I'm actually recording this for you guys. Um, so like I said, I hope you had a great week. I know Christmas is upon us. Um, I haven't spoken to you guys since um, November, so it's crossed into December, so you're probably putting up your Christmas tree. I did this week. I um, have a weird little tradition where I go down and cut down a tree every year. It's not normal here in Perth. Uh, people tend to have these plastic pieces of shit and um, hold on to them for 50 years, even though they only cost them 50 bucks when they bought it. So they're, they're just um, atrocities, really. And they covered it in tinsel and all their shitty decorations, and it's fine. But you know what? I like the old school. And um, probably about eight, nine years ago, I started cutting down my own Christmas trees. Uh, way more expensive. Definitely don't do it if you're uh, skimping out on presents and on a tight budget. Uh, get one of those piece of shit Christmas trees but um, I don't know if you like the tradition cut one down decorate it the whole house smells like fucking pine needles the wife was even complaining of getting headaches from it the other day but whatever it's Christmas time um, so I hope you've decorated something something out there don't be a Scrooge come on it's Christmas time let's all um, we all need a fucking good Christmas this year and so um, that's kind of been on my mind and uh Obviously, that's the transition into Christmas songs, isn't it, guys? As soon as December hits, all of a sudden you start hearing um, Michael Bublé way more than you should. And uh, all the other sort of weird, weird songs from Christmas past, hey? I know there's been like controversy over that um, Baby It's Cold Outside song. You know, people saying it's a little bit rapey. I don't know. I listen to the lyrics. The guy doesn't seem too rapey. He just seems very uh, persistent. And uh, what a go-getter. You know, good on him. St sticking it out, and uh, it worked out for him. It's, it's a lesson to be learned in there, no matter how you read it. It's up to you. Anyway, so Chris has been going strong. Um, things in music around the, the place have um, been ramping up in certain aspects, uh, slowing down in others. I don't know where you are, but there's not a lot of live music going on worldwide. Um, but there is here in Perth. There's tons of uh, wicked little gigs going on around the place uh some bands have already announced big ass tours here to perth or at least to australia because we're so corona free like um or whatever uh so if, if you get to play live music uh you have to do it here pretty much is what i'm saying and there's a uh, some things going on um, an old buddy of mine uh tom mantle he's a uh, mantle i can't believe i just said mantle uh, Tom Mantle, he uh, runs uh, Big Tomo Presents, and he has a little festival going on. So if you're here in Perth and you're doing fuck all on a Friday night, this Friday night coming up, I don't know what the date is, I can't do the math, um, he's doing his little annual manifest festival um, at Lucy's Love Shack. Go check it out. It's fucking a whole bunch of uh, musical acts going on and... Uh, some arts and crafts and whatever bullshit for some kind of little artsy festival. It's all happening, so go check it out. 
uh, it's there. Yeah, shout out to Big Tomo. I might have him on the podcast at some point. I'll reach out to him and see what's going on. Um, yeah, good guy. Uh, I don't know what else has been going on in the musical world. Uh, but I did mention a few podcasts ago, maybe the last one, I can't really remember, that we might check in and see what the hell's going on in the Melbourne scene. So I mentioned my friend Curtis has moved over there. He's a bit of a man about town. He gets out there to a whole bunch of bullshit gigs that I'd never go to and uh, checks out what's going on in the local scene. So we're going to give him a call. Um, I can't even remember if I left that part in the last episode or not. But either way, for those of you who haven't heard the last one, I have a friend called Curtis. And he's a a fellow musician, been a good friend for a very long time. And uh, he moved to Melbourne a couple of years ago and is checking out the scene. Um, I don't know if he's checking out the scene because of uh, the music or because of the women, but it's it, you know, either way, he's out there, he's doing something, and we're going to check on him and uh, see what the hell's going on in the Melbourne music scene. So let's give uh, Curtis a little call right here. Hey dude, what's going on? Yo man, what up? Yeah, not much man, just got home from work, having a beer. Sweet man, how's your world been? Yeah, not too bad dude, keeping busy with work and shit. Did you get out on the weekend man, have you been able to check out any of the live music going on uh, over in Melbourne there? What's going on in the, the music scene in Melbourne? Oh, yeah, not much, man. I mean, shit's still not really back to normal, dude, but maybe, hopefully soon, we can get out and about, check out some gigs. So nothing? Yeah, not really, dude. All right, well, thanks, thanks, thanks for being on the podcast. Wait, wait, what? All right, that was Curtis, uh, live from Melbourne, giving us the lowdown on the streets. Um, pretty much summarizing everything that's happening in Melbourne right now. Uh, sounds exciting. Sounds like a cool, hip place to be. Um, however, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of music going on. Uh, so Curtis is one of these guys that, um, you know, he's been, he listens to this podcast, he's, he's a good friend, and he, uh, he asked me to check out a certain band um, called uh, Chuggaboom. And... It's kind of cool because it's kind of fitting to the theme of this podcast where, you know, I mentioned Christmas, I mentioned all Christmas music, I mentioned how everybody's getting into the festive spirit. It seems this band is as well. So I know um, last episode we were talking about some of the new releases. Um, there was a great album from Smashing Pumpkins that came out. And I got to tell you guys, I've still been listening to that album. It's fucking awesome. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Curtis hit me up on Twitter. Uh, as you guys should too, it's at Jamroom Podcast. On Twitter, fucking hit me up, follow me, subscribe, or, well, you don't really subscribe, but whatever the hell you do on Twitter, just tag me in some shit, and I'll respond to it, you know? I got fucking not a lot else to do. Um, and he said there's this, uh, there's this band that's doing something for Christmas. Um, check it out, they're like one of the coolest, hardest hitting bands ever, like he really fucking hyped up this band. Uh, called Chuggaboom. Don't know if you guys have heard of Chuggaboom. But it's a style of music that I also haven't checked out a lot. I've heard of it before. Didn't really tickle me. Not a great kind of style of music. It's a confusing style of music. Um, so Chuggaboom are kind of like, let's say, a genty band. Like this hardcore, popcore. I don't know what the fuck you call them. But it's like a hardcore band. Um, the, the best way I could describe it is like, like the simplest parts of like a mashuga kind of genty thing mixed with like K-pop, right? So it's got these like super obnoxious high pitch vocals trying to act as like vocal hooks, um, but then like the super breakdown genty sort of shit in the heavy metal world. So it's like kind of these colliding of universes, musically speaking. And um, so I don't get it because I don't, I don't really understand the, the happy medium between, but what Curtis was trying to highlight to me is that they're doing something really, really cool for Christmas. And um, I looked into their back catalog. I listened to a whole bunch. That's why I have those opinions that I have because I just, I, I just really don't understand the style of music. I don't get it. Um, 
But they seem to do an, like a special thing for Christmas every year. Well, at least for the last few years. And um, this year is no different. They're doing some weird thing they they're, they're releasing a new track um, every day leading up to Christmas um, since whenever, like a few days ago or whatever. And so I was able to listen to a bunch of these and uh, it's really, really cool. I found it hilarious. Like I said, it's this gent core sort of K-pop sort of vibe. Um, but they're doing covers of Christmas songs leading up to Christmas. And they are... Uh, you know, kind of breaking the fourth wall there, not taking themselves seriously. It's not some, you know, they did a cover of um, All I Want for Christmas. And when the lyric says underneath the Christmas tree, they called it the Chugmas tree. That's funny. They're obviously in on the joke that the, the, their style of music is a joke. Um, is, well, that's at least what I thought. And, and I understood it for that. And I thought it was cool. And um, you guys should definitely check out what they're doing because there's some epic, epic breakdowns. Um, I, I couldn't get over how ridiculous some of the, the musicality was, but the context it was in was confusing. So I don't know. I might be out on this. And um, it was so confusing and I tried so hard um, to get to know it and understand what the hell this kind of music was. Uh, this chugaboom, this um, pop gent. Let's call it Pop Gent, all right? Um, Pop Gent Death or some shit because there's some fucking death metal elements to it as well. Um, A lot of doom elements as well. There's a ton of this obscurity all throughout this sort of music. Um, So anyway, I know I talked to Curtis earlier in this episode um, and that was a bit (laughs) cut short a little bit. Um, But anyway, here's a little conversation I had with him. with him trying to convince me what the hell was going on with this band, because I'm not going to try and solve all the problems for you guys. Um, I was, I'm just curious. And so the, the more you guys contribute, uh, the, the, the better my perspective is because I can bounce off you guys or whatever. Um, and obviously the same applies, um, to a good friend like Curtis. So this is a conversation we had about, um, Chugaboom, you know, it gets a bit off topic towards the end or whatever. Um, but before I give you that little conversation about Chugaboom, um, I'm going to end this episode uh, with a bit of a song um, that involves Curtis. So stay tuned. If you want to skip through the fucking conversation with Curtis, you should get to know him, guys. You know, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll chat to you guys on the other side of this little clip. All right? Take care. I'll be back in a bit. Chugmas stuff, man? Uh, I haven't actually. I kind of slipped off. Why is I that? I the first couple. I've, I've been meaning to, though. I've been, I've, I was actually thinking about this. So I was like, oh, I'll get go home and check out the new ones. But, yeah, I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, fair enough. What are your thoughts on the, the ones that have come out so far? I like them, man, for what they are. For, like... For metalcore, fucking UK like dancecore, like it's fun. It's fun music. I like. What, it. what makes you call it dancecore? Oh, I don't know, because it is kind of poppy, and it's got it's like the 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 rhythms and the beat behind it. It's really. I, I easy. see how it's poppy. I don't see how it's dancey. There's no four on well, the floor, because it's, upbeat hi hat or anything. Well, no, but it is super easy to follow. It keeps that same, that dance, like, straight beat, like, where you can just bob your head at that fucking easy, straight timing. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's head-bopping music, you know? And for me, like, that's dancey. I wouldn't wouldn't put in the genre of dance at all. Yeah, of course it is. Huh? You kind of cut, cut out a little bit there. I said, of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, when you mentioned Chuckaboo, obviously I did a bit of research. It, like, it's kind of cool there. Fucking done like a Christmas album like every year for the last few years. 
Yeah, man. And the songs have been good, like the Christmas songs. Like the Seven Rings one is fucking cool. It's got one part in particular that I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, 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 like, I, I gotta say, man, I don't fucking get it. As a band goes, are they just a parody band? Nah, that's that's a whole fucking genre of music, man. Like, core culture is fucking... Is it a parody huge. genre? Nah, not at all. But those, the, the, the Christmas songs they're releasing are obvious parodies. Like, they're obviously not taking themselves seriously. That's what I liked about it. It was just, like, underneath the Chugmas tree. I lost it laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not, well, trying, to, they're not trying to be serious, man. It's, it's obviously it a, a parody. Yeah, they're, they're, they are, like... Yeah, obviously it's not super serious. I don't know what we'd, how, what you'd define as a parody. Is Well, like, something that's, like, sort of... Like laughing at itself, like making fun of itself, and making fun of the thing that it's singing about. Like it's it's like uh, it's a parody on a, on the Christmas song that it's covering, and it seems to be like a parody on its own genre by calling it a Chugmas tree, and Merry Chugmas. It's obviously like a parody yeah. on Chug Metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in that, in that sense, yeah, I guess it would be yeah a parody sort of band, but. See, I see parody as kind of like a, a dumb remake of something, like like an SNL fucking skit sketch. About, yeah, or like you know, a fucking weird Al Yankovic movie. bullshit, you know. Yeah, yeah. But in some oh, ways, in some ways, it is that. In some ways, it is a weird Al Yankovic thing. Yeah. In some ways, for sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess it is. And, and, and you know what? Like, because like, I listened to other songs of the band, like what they were releasing as legitimate songs from the legitimate albums of that band. And I don't get the genre anyway. I don't understand what the hell's going on. It's too much of a juxtaposition for me. I don't understand why, like, it's two extremes that shouldn't go together, but there's no happy medium in between. You know what I mean? Like from the the heavy like yeah, so they go from like this this growly ass voice. They go from the growliest, darkest sort of um, depths of black metal sort of voicings, and then they go to this uber punk, like uber pop, sort of nasally, super high, super trying to be catchy, sort of bullshit, and then there's no happy medium in between. It's like the most extreme of the darkness, the most extreme of the, the pop scene. Yeah. Well, what would be the happy medium? Like, is there one? Um, is there some sort of singing that's like clean but, yeah, but still that's, that's what I'm metal? Saying. It's like, like neither one of those extremes uh, felt authentic. They both felt like they were trying to be something. No, I gotta disagree with you on the authenticism there because that is their sound, and that because they have two different singers, as we have to realize. One of them is dedicated the the growls, the like the heavy roars and stuff. No, that makes it gayer. And one always has a clean singing. Like all the all the core <laughs> bands do that. They have a clean singer and a like a growling screamer. Whatever the fuck you want to call them, I don't know what word you use for that. But so, why? Because I don't know. Because like the the clean singing is kind of required for like the hooky. Oh, that that's kind of what makes it sort of listenable. Well, no, because there's a lot of successful metal bands that just do the fucking heavy growl. But certainly not as successful as ones that have catchy, poppy hooks. Ask Taylor Swift. Yeah, true. They don't, they don't have that sort of money. They need to try and cross genres in order... Because, let's face it, there is tier levels to, um, like the amount of money you're going to make as a musician of a certain genre. And so when you delve down into obscurity, there's less of an audience. There's still an audience. I'm not going to 
yeah, you yeah. Know, do anything like that. And so to step up tier level is by like kind of cross pollinating a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so well, I see it stuck in this thing where like it seems like it's doing something that um, it lacks its own identity because it's stealing two different identities. But it's forming another identity. I mean, you can't. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that that's been happening since like the birth of music. I mean, everyone sort of takes from all their different favorite artists or whatever, and genres even to form like a new sort of genre. I I, I absolutely understand, I, but normally those genres are like closer together. You know what I mean? In extremes. So, so for instance, you can definitely see how like certain bands will have the influences from other bands of their genre, their genre, in their playing, right? So, you can say Metallica is taking influence from X, Y, and Z because that's the thrash metal scene that they grew up in. Blah 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 blah. Yes, they're just doing and like another step of whatever the fuck was going on then. But then to take like like imagine if Metallica was like yes, taking inspiration from them, but also taking inspiration from um like the country western scene that's a weird thing to square away it's hard to square those two genres together it's hard to square the pop thing of this uh whatever band chugaboom like the real like the like the the requirement to write a super hooky pop melody and then descend into like obscurity in the very next riff I, I can't, I, I, like, it just confuses me as a listener. It confuses me as a listener. But I like yeah, it if it's, a, mean, if it's a parody, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's not, though, because, I mean, for one, the whole hardcore genre was always kind of based off that sort of style of opposing sort of, like, really hooky sort of poppy choruses opposing it right opposing it opposing it so why embrace it wait what like you just said you just said that the hardcore thing came from an opposition to hooky things didn't you just say that well no 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 no. yeah but but it was always from combining like clean like uh, just musically flowing, catchy, like sort of choruses to like really hard, gentle breakdowns. It was always like the build up to the breakdown. Like it, it was all, pretty much always based on the breakdown. Yeah, I understand. But, that. I understand that. That was a, that was a huge trend funky. in like the mid two thousands. Um, yeah, yeah. Bands that fucking. I'm forgetting right now. But yeah, it was all about the big, big ass fucking breakdowns. And so the rest yeah. of the song was redundant until you hit that massive halftime riff sort of three quarters of the way through the song, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was I thought we we had we had done that already. Nah, the genre is kicking on, dude. And it's all based on a a single moment in the song. And and you know what, like to come clean, I I listen to a lot of songs just for a single fucking moment. Mm. But justifying that moment really matters, man. And, yeah, and yeah, well, that, and so, so I feel like I'm, I'm sent on too much of a a weird, like, it, like the style's ambiguous, the lead-up's ambiguous, everything, and then it hits some cool moments. And I'm like, fucking, dude, these, these riffs are fire, man. Some of these riffs are fucking great, and they're especially in the breakdown sort of things. They're fucking they're classic gent breakdowns, right? Yeah, I love like, that like, shit. But did we did we earn it? Did we earn it as a listener? Did we earn it as a band? Like, did like did we justify this breakdown? And that's where I think you're over sort of criticizing it because why do you have to earn it? Like they know what fucking what they want to play, which will get, you know, fucking just make everyone want to mosh out. And why not just fucking give it to the people? You know, that's what they all want to hear. That's why that fucking, the whole core following is so big, because it's like, you know, 
we're just fucking we're we're not going to hide the fact that we just love epic breakdowns. That's what we want to hear. And these are the bands that are fucking giving it to us. Yeah, fucking sell out metal. So we, well, <laughs> no, that's just them, man. That's their fucking genre. And sellout metal is more like fucking ACDC's new shit. Like, I'm not going to argue with that, man. That's a, like, but, but they created the genre, so give them a break. Yeah, they created it, so I can still respect yeah, it. Like it the, the, they, they just did their fucking thing. Me, no, no, as I say, like, like the latest Tool album was a sellout. Yeah. Just because it was so Tool, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, so Tool, they're a sellout. They're just giving the, the fans exactly what Tool fans want. And let's face it, they should never have given Tool fans what the fuck they wanted because Tool fans are fucking cocks. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a huge Tool fan, but I hate this fucking I'm more intelligent than you because I like Tool fucking attitude. It's gay as AIDS. Leave it aside. Yeah, you know? 100%. Man. Yeah, so I, I respect that. Dude, if they're just doing, like, that's it. I don't know a lot about Chuggaboob. I've been trying to fucking get a bit of an education the last week. And uh, yeah. I've been keeping up with this thing. The, the coolest thing I think they're doing is the fact, the fact that they're doing these fucking Christmas things because it does, like, kind of break the fourth wall a little bit. It kind of gives you a bit of a, you know what, it's, there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek involved. We, we don't care that much. We're going to do a gent cover of All I Want for Christmas, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we're going to put a <laughs> breakdown at quarter time in the middle. That's one of the slowest breakdowns I've ever heard in my life, man. It was insane. I was like, like I heard, a, I heard, a, I heard like a, like a, like a single jab from a guitar, like a junk. That was like thirty seconds till the next one. It was insane. <laughs> Yeah, but in, in that whole quiet period between those chugs, you're still bobbing along like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Junk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm there sitting like jostling at a fucking a tempo I thought was the tempo, but they've just, and I'm like, how many shoulder fucking spasms do I have to have before the next riff? This is insane. <laughs> yeah, so I, I respected the shit out of that, man. Like, just like, it was just so, like, ballsy. Yeah, and yeah, like, 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 and, and changing the lyrics like that, and doing those riffs like it's so obnoxious but so fucking cool at the same time. Like, yeah, good on him, man. I'm not, yeah, gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm, I'm a fan of the genre, but I respect it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and that's if and if it is just like you know what, people just like a good fucking breakdown, and we're just gonna give it to them. I get that as well, man. I get it. That's fucking That's cool. what it's all about. That's yeah. that's literally the only reason why I actually love that genre. It's because it's like too many bands are trying to be like, oh, you know, we're going to make you earn this good part of the song by being on uh, mythically niche. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to be called a hypocrite for fucking saying it, but like, yeah, I get what you mean. It's just enough already. Give us what we fucking want, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they fucking, they're just feeding it up. It's like fucking... Little fucking Oliver Twist, please, sir. I might have some more. Bands like Tool are like, no, more, more. Fucking stop beating you with a wooden spoon. Whereas these cunts, chug a boom, are like, fucking oath, you can have Grab some. Grab the more. funnel, bro. You've got breaks. as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Because I, I've been torn about it, like, ever since you fucking made that hell bold call, you were like, fucking, ah, some of the most revolutionary fucking, ah, uh, you put them on a pedestal, man. I was like, I uh, listened to him, I was like, I don't get it, man. I don't get yeah, the style of music. And then, is, I don't know, I mean, I've got a bit of an education this week. It makes sense. I'm, I, I can't say I'm going to fucking listen to it often, because I'm one of those pricks that wants to go on the journey. I want to go on the journey with a song. I really yeah. do want to go on that journey. And then when it hits that part, I want to feel like I've arrived there. You yeah, but I mean? for example, but not everybody's like, like that. I understand that. I totally get what you're saying, but fucking, oh, I had a fucking really good point there. I forgot what I was going to say. But I got to tell you, man, there's some bands that are fucking. There's some bands out there that fucking abuse that earning it, you know. 
There's, yeah, there's exactly. motherfuckers and out there like Dream Theater that just fucking like, oh yeah, you gotta listen for 20 minutes before we hit a decent riff. Yeah, yeah there's people that like they withhold it too much, and it's and, and like let's face it, they're sellout motherfuckers in the same way that I accuse the other guys of. As because they, but they try to just like the way that they sell out is by being super confusing and appeal to the uber musician. Yeah, yeah. So they don't care about it sounding good. If they cared about what the fuck it sounded good, they wouldn't wouldn't write half the shit they write. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> These guys are fucking lunatics, man. They just like can, like like you know what's really cool? Confusing our audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like it's like, like listening to Dream Theater is like a a test of your musicianship where people that are dream theater fans like, Oh man, can you fucking, do you know what time scene you should that riff song? Do you know what mode they're using? Do you you know what accidentals were throwing in there? Like, it's just so fucking gay. It doesn't sound good. Do you know the type of confusion, the type of music timing confusion that I do like though, an example of that is like, like when Deftones do it, like for example, the song command control. Yeah. Of um, Diamond Eyes, whatever. Like yeah. it's it's super whack timing, but the more you listen to it, and when you know that the t- that whack timing is coming up, and you get the timing, it does become even better when you get it. You know what I mean? Do that but happens all the fucking time, man. You listen to like um, Leprous, and you understand that this whole song's in fucking eleven, and once you grasp that, it, it you get a whole new experience out of it, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's the same yeah, yeah. with a, a lot of songs. Like we, we talked about, Tool. Fucking, it happens all the time. If you if you like, you're listening to the patient and you understand it's all in fives. You can now dance to it, and it just feels better. But it's not. Yeah, it's not true, purposely trying to confuse you because it sets the tone and sticks to it. It's not like, hey, look, we've set a tone. And at the three-minute mark, or the fucking ten-minute mark, or the eleven-minute mark, we're gonna throw in a little bar of three sixteen for you for no fucking reason, just to make your dance look goofy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So f- yeah, so fuck that because like, it's that's writing music in a headspace rather than a heart space. You know what I mean? If I was to separate yeah. it like that, it's kind of gay, overthinking shit. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, 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 depend, right. it depends what your motivation is. You can overthink things because of a really good motive that you like a real good message, a real good riff that you want to get across, and you can overthink it. And yes, you might come up with gold if it comes from the right space, or you could overthink something and it's just for the sake of just doing something interesting, just because Being you're bored. Technical and yeah. showing off your t- technical capabilities. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and like like bring it back to the ACDC thing we just talked about. It's just like, these guys can play all that shit that Dream Theater plays. And they can certainly write music like that if they fucking wanted to, man. The drummer from ACDC, everyone gives him shit because he's always four on the floor and it's always just straight out. But like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's been a touring musician for fucking 50 years. No, he can, man. That dude can fucking smash it on the drums. But it's not that he chooses to, it's just because he knows that doing that perfectly is more difficult than anything else. Like, have you, have you ever seen any interviews with, like, um, like you know how the White Stripes, with Jack White, how he just hired whoever to play the drums, right? His sister. Yeah. So, or, or whoever the fuck it is. I don't know if, it's just, I don't know if that's a rumor or not. I don't know. I don't really know. But whoever the fuck it is... <laughs> He got her to do the drums because everybody else he auditioned was too good and kept on adding embellishments, kept on doing things. Do you know this for a fact or are you just throwing this out? I know this for a 100% fact. I read it in an interview. Like, her drumming was perfect to him because she sucked. And so she just did the same thing. And that's so hard to do as a musician, just the same thing. You know, everyone yeah, wants to yeah. embellish things. Everyone wants to overwrite things and overcomplicate things. But um, every now and then, it's the, the best thing you could do is do nothing 
and not change at all. Yeah, but with the white stripes, the drummer does nothing the whole time for every song. Like, it gets tiresome, you know? <laughs> but they made, up, they, they made more money than Chugaboon, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, because sometimes that's exactly what the fuck you need, man. Yeah, just yeah. So, so so who knows? It, like sometimes it's because they can't, and so they have to sit in a pocket because they can't go out of that pocket because they're not good enough. Sometimes they're so good that they realize that pocket is the perfect thing. It's kind of strange, man. It happens all over I the place. I have that feeling with um the first sort of Perfect Circle albums. Like you know the drum is really good, but you can kind of tell that he's holding back. And just does the most subtle bits of flair every now and then. Well, as a drummer, you listen to it and you're like, oh, I want to hear that bit of flair again. Or, but he doesn't do it. And he does it so sparingly. Yeah. Yeah, those albums are incredible, but like drumming-wise. They're, they're a master class in exactly what we're talking about, which is restraint. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you... If you can do a bunch but you don't but you do it once or you at least let everyone believe that it's there that can be more magical than actually doing it you know yeah so true yeah but i I think a perfect circle changed drummers for their last album i don't think josh freeze played drums in the latest album the eat the elephant album yeah okay i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it was the guy that was drumming for pussifer at the time that took over. <coughs> and um, he's incredible. He's incredible. But, um, like, again, one of these guys that just sits a pocket, doesn't overplay, but is super creative with that. Dude, we, we, we're Deftones fans. Abe Cunningham can play as whatever the fuck he wants on drums. Yeah, man. He doesn't. And it's just his solid-ass creative beats. They're four on the floor. They're like, well, not maybe on the floor, but they're still in 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. It's not just a straight I, four on the floor, but it's, it's a 4-4 four, four timing with some exceptional fucking choices of kick drum placement and snare placement. They're just like, uh, wow, that's a fucking... That's an Abe Cunningham fucking beat, man. You can pick it a mile away. Uh, he's, he's my favorite, man, and I love him for that. I know it's, it's weird when I say that like, Abe Cunningham's like my favorite drummer because... He doesn't really stand out for any particular, like, drumming. You know what I mean? Like, he's just so, like, in his pocket. But it's the subtleties that a lot of people wouldn't notice, like, on the first listens. Yeah. You know? Dude, like, I would lose all respect for Abe Cunningham if he threw in a double kick beat for no reason somewhere. Well, he does do a bit of double kick every now and then, but it's so subtle that but you But like don't I said, for no reason. It. You know how some people go to like a yeah. chorus and it's just like, oh yeah, it's this, like the whole fucking way. Like, he never does that. He's so choosy with his placements of every single element of his drum kit that um, it becomes new, unique and he never plays to a trope of some kind. But I also have this theory about Abe Cunningham that he would like to put more flair into his drumming, but he's kind of scared of, like, Steph and Chino because I've seen clips of them where they're, like, they're writing their albums and they're in the studio, like, they're in the recording stage of, like, some of the songs, but some of them they're still writing. And I've seen Abe, like, sort of go nuts and Steph, like, yell at him and shit. <laughs> Dude, I get, I get weird vibes from, like, every member of that band. Like, um, you know, I've talked about Steph before, especially with the shit recently with the, the Flat Earth yeah. sort of stuff and how it doesn't fucking matter. Steph Carpenter is a fucking guitarist, you know? He does his yeah. thing really well. And, and you mentioned in the pod, or just a side note, that he's like a seven and and sometimes eight string guitarist. He plays a nine string guitar. Yeah, now, he's, yeah, I know, I know. Well, he <laughs> used to play six string, and I didn't mention that, so I'm a little bit behind. But he used to play yeah. six string. Yeah, he, he adds a string every album now. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so what is this? Our fucking fourteenth album? Shit. 
<laughs> the neck of his guitar. He has to use his whole arm to do yeah, a yeah, bar yeah. chord. <laughs> at, at one of these points, he's just going to start sacrificing the high strings. So it's like, yeah, it's not yeah, an A-string yeah. guitar, but um, it's in like... <laughs> A, like a B octave lower or some shit bullshit. Like, you know, this is like yeah, a piano yeah. string we had to put on this guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I get the vibes from Chino like that like, um, and, and like, to come clean, man, fucking, he's one of my favorite vocalists of all time. I love his like mystery around his vocals. I love his note choices. I love his, his tone. I love a hell of a lot of what fucking Chino does. But as a His person, lyrics, how ambiguous? Exactly, and weird, exactly. All that sort of stuff. As a lyricist, he doesn't seem to be trying to tell a fucking preachy story. He just mm. leaves it like to interpretation. He just throws these things out. It's like fucking Sigur Ross, you know. Sigur Ross fucking gave up singing actual lyrics, you know. I don't really know much. Yeah, about well, Sigur like, Ross. Um, yeah, Sigur Ross. He he started what they call his own language which is hopelandic or whatever it's basically him just wailing consonants and vowels it's an it's it doesn't mean anything it's up to you to fucking it's just notes right yeah so chino's cool. somewhere in between those and so he's ambiguous with his lyrics they're still in english they're still actual words all that sort of bullshit um but as a person i've like I, he doesn't seem as like jovial as like Steph Carpenter is or Abe Cunningham. A- Abe Cunningham seems like a like a super nice, fun, like free fun little person. jokester. Hey, he's like a fun little little jokester, you know, a little clown. Yeah. And Steph Carpenter doesn't seem to give a shit like like about all like the deepness and stuff like that. And you, then you see Chino, and you're like, he's taken he's taken this whole thing a bit too seriously. Chino. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in some respects. He's very. Well, he's, um, he's... Have you have you ever seen him like crack a smile and make a joke in an interview? Yeah, in the early interviews, not in his like more recent ones. Yeah. He changed, man. <laughs> did you uh, did you listen to the 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 Robert Plant thing? Robert Smith, you mean? That's the one. I got the names wrong. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking about uh, fucking rock stars that we've all forgotten. Robert Plant, <laughs> he's Led Zepp, yeah? Yeah, and we've all forgotten about him. But, um, yeah, so the, did you listen to the, the Robert Smith thing? The song, yeah, I thought it was garbage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was just a fucking... Robert Smith was just like, oh... Fuck, you want me to do something for your, your new album? Oh, man, he phoned it the fuck in, didn't he? He phoned it the fuck in. Totally phoned in, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just absolute rubbish, but because it's got his name behind it, everyone's going to listen to it. And uh, yeah, I, I listened exactly. to it once, and it was just like, I didn't even know if I got through the whole song, to be honest. It was just boring from the get-go. Yeah, well, the original song is a boring shit song. It's kind of just an album filler. Like, why the fuck would you want to cover that? <laughs> That's probably the only one they could, like, afford to get him to cover. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, oh, no, no, it's fucking, it's going to, you know, he's going to spend a lot of time on fucking Digital Bath or something like that. So what about this random noise? Can you do something with that? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although it is kind of cool to just know that it's it's actually Robert Smith playing the the fucking piano. Yeah, that's it. The, the whole fucking value uh, of that song comes from like trickle down clout, you know, yeah. and a bit of cachet because it's like oh fucking no one's heard him do anything for a long time. Like when's the last time Robert Smith did anything? Yeah, exactly. This is the Forever. best gig he's gotten in fucking twenty years. And he fucking fucks it up. <laughs> I don't think he fucked it up. I just think he put in such little effort to such an already <laughs> no, lame, nothing up, song. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know what restrictions were on him, but, it, like, if he was a super creative guy, he could have done a lot with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could have made it his own song. He could have, like, some of the other ones are, like, 
yeah, the lyrics are kind of in the same ballpark, and but the music itself has completely changed. Yeah. Right? yeah. This one didn't yeah. have much singing. He could have completely changed it. Yeah, he could have made it awesome. Uh, he didn't, and he cashed the check. Yeah. The first mistake he made was just choosing that song to cover. Whether that was his choice or not, whatever like, like it was. I, said, I reckon it's the only way they could afford. Because there's no yeah, way he yeah. would actually choose that as the best song from the album and the one that he actually cares about and wants to do a, a good job of. There's no way that that was the fucking... That was his choice. Like, who would choose that fucking song as the best song on that album? This is White Pony. There is a well, not the, bunch of fucking bangers. Yeah. I would like him to do that. What's the closing track, man? Pink Maggot. Yep. How good would that have been? That would have been fucking perfect. But Deftones already covered their own song, Pink Maggot, and made a mini maggot back to school. Yeah. So to do like... Yeah, but the remixes are completely different, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Alrighty, welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um... I came out of that conversation with a bit of a better understanding of what the hell Chugaboom and the that kind of um, hardcore music is, and uh, what it's offering to to the listener. And I don't know where you sit on this. Are you a pe- person that likes to get taken through the whole journey of a song, or are you just looking for that big fucking that big number right in the middle? Um, do you care about the build up to it? Or do you care about just the fucking hooks? Um, it's an interesting topic. That, that's part of what the jam room is about because every song has a, a different element that's trying to catch you. And it, and it could be the journey. It could be the fucking... The massive riff. It could be the climax. It could be the intro. It could be, it could be any little element. It could be one fucking line that someone sings at one point in the song that makes you fucking respect the whole song. Um... So there's lots of these different different elements, and I don't understand them all. I'm not going to pretend to. Everybody's got their own take on it. I hope you do too. Um, but Curtis himself, uh, he's a musician of sorts. He's, he's played a bunch of uh, different instruments um, a long, long time ago. I don't even want to pretend to know how many years ago it was. But um, myself, Liam, and Curtis uh, had a little band going on. <laughs> And uh, we didn't really do anything with it. We just wrote a bunch of uh, shitty songs. Most of them were just um, a couple of riff ideas. Um, and a couple of them we decided to record properly. So that's what I'm going to show you guys at the end of this episode. Um, is a little bit of a song uh, called Dr. D's Dilemma. Now, I know this is probably the first song that I've shown you guys that has a name. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but it only is called that because the phrasing of the the... Like the sentence "Doctor D's dilemma" uh, kind of summarizes uh, the time signature that was involved. It was the only way to remember the song. Uh, one of the main riffs is in like fifteen eight or something, and so we used to say "Doctor D's dilemma" in a doc, doc, and then be able to follow the rhythm that way, um, which is a stupid thing. It's only something that Liam made up because no one else needed that, but uh, that's how he visualized it. So it actually has a name. Or it has a file name. I don't know if you'd call it a song. But basically all it is is a fucking riff um, and a bit of a chorus riff. Liam chucks some weird backing vocals over it for some reason. Um, but either way, it's got Curtis involved. And we didn't do a lot together musically, but this is one of the things that we've done. Um, I hope you enjoy, guys. This is the Jam Room Podcast. Reach out on Twitter, at Jam Room Podcast. Uh, Email me, scott at thejamroom.com.au. Send us some stuff to check out, and uh, I definitely will. I'll respond to everything. You know, stop it. Just just reach out. Stop whatever you're doing and just reach out. Just, you know, come on, let's do this. All right, here's a little bit of a song. Uh, a terrible one from a long time ago. 